0: Good morning. Welcome to Milestone Church. So glad that you are here this morning. My name is Chris. I'm the campus pastor here at Milestone McKinney. And uh, as Alex said, we're so thrilled that you've joined us, especially those of you that are first time guests. We know that each and every week. It's someone's first time. If this is your first time, I haven't had an opportunity to meet you. I look forward to meeting you after service this morning. Well, we're continuing in our series called Empowered, and uh, we are looking at the person of the Holy Spirit. How does he impact our life? How does that play out in everyday life? And, and what does that look like? We learned last week that uh, Jesus said there's this advantage, this helper, this comforter in the person of the Holy Spirit that he wants to give us. And this series is really based off of Acts 1-8 where Jesus' last words before he ascends to heaven, he says, listen, uh, I, you're going to receive power to be a witness to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There is power that the Holy Spirit gives us. And uh, you, you think about that phrase, that word, this power for a purpose, we see it being played out. We, we just got done watching that video. How many of you know, if you've ever been to a woman's event, if you've served at a woman's event, thank you to all the men that served at the women's event. Thank you to all the ladies, the teams, Esther and all the teams that were together setting everything up, putting it together. It was Powerful. There is power and a purpose. There were so many. I believe my numbers could be incorrect. I believe we had more than 20 first-time guests at Summer Splash. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Why? Because you're inviting people to come, experience God's presence, experience what it's like to grow in the relationship. These group of women coming together, growing in the relationship. With God and others, it's amazing. Where does that come from? It's a power. It's the Holy Spirit working in you to encourage you and to challenge you, to 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 uh, to give you the power to invite others that they may experience Jesus the same way you've experienced Jesus. So there is this. Powerful purpose that we have and, and we're seeing it, last week we had 101, we had uh, uh, individuals and families in this room taking their next step, growing in their relationship with God and, and becoming a part of Milestone Church, we wrapped up 301 last Monday people that have been taking their next steps, joining together on Monday nights for 7 weeks to grow in their foundational work of who God is and what His word says and all of those and just taking steps, why? That is the work and the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through you. I was reminded of this this past week myself. I shared with you on Sunday, I said, the Holy Spirit is what a comforter. I said that he's going to come and he's going to comfort you. There's going to be moments that you have challenges in life. Things are going to happen. Things are going to come. It's unexpected. You don't know what to do. And it's in that moment where you begin to realize, who do I really turn to for comfort? And if you're not turning to the Holy Spirit, can I just tell you, you're turning to something else. But the Holy Spirit is the comforter that God gave us. He is the purpose. He is the reason. And so when you look and you recognize and you see what's happening and what God is doing, I was reminded this week because on Monday I got a, I got a text message. I got a, I got a message from someone. Uh, it was my mom. How many of you ever get text messages from your mom, you know? Most of the time, they're good messages, you know? They're like, Mom, I love you. You know, I'm Hispanic. It's, Mijo, I love you, you know? What, what are you doing? When are you coming to visit? We want to come visit. I'm like, yeah, come visit. It's all good. But this one's a little different she texted me, we're setting up for Summer Splash. And those are the things, you know, when you're, when you're in seminary and you're learning, you know, I just want to preach the gospel and the lots. They don't tell you. Guess what? You're going to do women's events. And you're going to be hanging streamers up in the, in the commons. And you're going to learn how to do flowers. And you're, going to, you're just going to figure it out. And you're going to hang banners. And you're going to put, I mean, God just saw fit. Not only that, and then I have three daughters. It's like, this is my world, right? And so you don't realize that. And I get a text message. My mom said, hey, I'm taking your dad to the ER. Okay, well, that's a little concerning. So just keep us posted. I talk to him. He's in the ER. We're praying. We talk through. I pray for him, pray for my mom, and and everything's going well. Well, then we have 301 later that night, and then my mom lets me know he's been admitted into ICU. And so in that moment, we go, okay, everything stopped. The team did amazing. They covered. They didn't realize till Tuesday morning I wasn't going to be here at Summer Splash. Wendy and I weren't going to be here. We left Tuesday uh, and went down to Austin to be with my, my dad. And l- let me just tell you, when, when you get a phone call like that, when you get a situation like that, there's only one comforter that you're going to turn to. There's only one person that's going to give you the comfort that you need in moments like that, and it is the Holy Spirit. And we needed his empowerment, and he helped us. And so many of you text and called, and were standing with us praying for my dad. Uh, Pastor Jeff, so grateful, Pastor Jeff and the team. We had staff all together on Wednesday uh, in, in Keller, and the whole team praying for my dad. And so he's doing much better. He was discharged on Thursday, and so he's back home. Thank God, praise God, he's doing well. And so he's on the road to recovery. But in that moment, can I tell you something? We all need a comforter. You need a comforter. And, and it's in those moments, you know, you're hit with reality. You're hit with the thought, God, I'm asking you to work. I'm asking you to move. I'm asking you to do what only you can do in my dad's life. I'm asking for healing. And as I'm sitting in the hospital, we're having conversations. And I started thinking about times with my dad growing up. Some of you may have. Memories like this, you know, my dad was the oldest of eight kids. Is the oldest of eight kids, and and he grew up in Laredo, a little border town in Texas. And so, you know, when when he moved to Austin, and uh, that's where I was born and raised. And I can remember him always uh, telling us, you know, that that he wanted us to experience things that he never had. But but there's always a there was always a like within a, a framework, right? You know what I'm talking about? Is like there's a budget to everything. You know, it was like when we traveled. I don't know about you. It's like summer sausage and like water in your water jug that's what you ate in the car I, I always wondered though I always thought my mom's pulling out a knife while we're going 60 down the highway cutting up summer sausage and I'm like I think it'd be safer to just, can we stop and I get Doritos? I think it'd be much safer for me and my brothers in a sharp object. If something happens, that knife's going to go flying, right? And so, we, you know, there'd be moments like that, but I can remember when my dad got saved, I was eight years old, we'd go to church, and after church, every now and again, this was a big treat, because my dad wanted to treat us, we went to a place called Furs. Anybody remember Furs? Come on now. All you Lubies people, I love you, but Furs, okay? Luby's ain't got nothing on Furs. Golden Corral, now nah, ain't got nothing on Furs, okay? Furs is where it was at. That was the original. If you don't know what Furs is, you're too young, it's okay. Look it up. You're missing out. I don't even know if they have Furs anymore, but I can remember Furs. We go to Furs, and I love Furs because $5.99 buffet. When you're a kid, you're a little boy, all you can eat, I mean, it was like, give me the macaroni and cheese over And I loved it because you could get something. If you didn't like it, guess what? You just leave it on your plate. You just go back and get something else, right? You know, and then it was a treat because guess what? It was not only all you could eat. But it was anything you wanted to drink. And I don't know about you, but soda in our house growing up was like a treat. Like it was water. It was real fancy. Like, here's a lemon. You can put lemon in your water. Beyond that, it was like we didn't have nothing. It was like, you ain't getting any Cokes. You ain't getting that. You go to Furs, guess what? You just kind of, you just get as much as you want. Sometimes you just feeling real crazy. I'm just going to get a little of all of it. And, you know, we're just going to try it all, right? And you just, man, you just eat until you just couldn't. I mean, it was, you just, you know, and that was helpful for my mom because when you got three little boys, they all eat like, you know, ravenous wolves. It's like we're just not, you know, I'm just eating mom and dad out of house and home. And, and you think about it, there were times, though, Sundays after church where, you know, we would eat and you just eat and eat and you have so much. But then you kind of, when you got three boys, it's, it's bound to happen. You know, you, you get a little something on your church clothes. You know what I'm talking about? you start wearing, right, what you were eating, you know, and that's always the worst because there's a difference between something being in you and something being on you, right? See, the difference is when something is on you, other people can see it. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I don't want to talk to you about getting food on your clothes. I want to talk to you about what it looks like when the Holy Spirit comes upon you because when the Holy Spirit is on you, guess what? other people can begin to see it working and moving in your life. There is an empowerment, there is power for purpose that the Holy Spirit wants to give you. I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles Acts chapter 8 verse 9. We're going to get there in just a minute. But last week I shared with you I kind of I kind of shared with you 3 key words that kind of encompass the salvation work of Jesus. There's justification, there's sanctification, and there's glorification. Glorification is when we meet Jesus one day. We're in our glorified bodies. We we are no longer here on earth. We're now in heaven with God. We're with Jesus. We have been glorified. But before that, there is justification and sanctification. What is justification? This is the Holy Spirit working in our lives, drawing us in to a relationship with Him, working on us, drawing us, and we begin to grow. We surrender our life to Jesus, and He begins to transform us from the inside out. We can't work it. We can't earn it. We can't do anything to to obtain it. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us into that moment, and when He does and He works in our life, He transforms us from the inside out. I was reminded of this this past week because this past week, was middle school camp. My oldest was at middle school camp, and it was an amazing time. I got this update this past week. I got this picture of myself and all the other pastors. Fifty-five kids gave their life to Jesus at middle school camp this past week. Six of those kids were from Master McKinney. That is, Can I tell you, that is the work of the Holy Spirit working in kids' lives. They are being justified, changed, transformed because of the work of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you who did a work in their life? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is drawing them, working in them. This is the target. This is why we say, hey, get your kids to camp. We got so many. We got high school camp. So grateful for Alex and Haley and the team. We were huddled up this morning. We were talking. And I was like, man, God bless them, Lord. Thank God for those two. You know, because guess what? They got back Friday, and guess where they're leaving on Tuesday? High school camp. They don't get back till Saturday, you know, and then he's going to be here with a smile on his face Sunday morning, giving praise, Lord, you know, and he's going to be, he's going to probably just look like he hadn't slept in about, you know, four days, which is probably the case. He hadn't slept in about four days. But that's what ha- God works and moves. But can I tell you, there's another part to that process, there's, justification the Holy Spirit leads us in, but then there's sanctification. Sanctification is this ongoing process. You see, those kids, they gave their life to the Lord. At some point, because of the subsequent work of the Holy Spirit in our life, they're then going to get baptized. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit leading them into that decision, leading him into the place to saying, I'm going to make a public declaration of what Jesus did in my life. You see, with justification, we can't earn anything. The same is true with sanctification. The Holy Spirit leads us, grows us, develops us. We become more like Christ. It is the Holy Spirit working. But the difference is with sanctification, it takes a little bit of our participation. We've got to participate. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to us about taking steps, about growing in our relationship with him, about speaking and working, and that's what I want to look at today. I want to look a little deeper into the work of sanctification, how the Holy Spirit works in our life through the process of sanctification. What does that look like? What does that mean? You see, we all have our own ideas of the Holy Spirit. We all have these preconceived thoughts, how we grew up, perhaps the heritage we grew up in, And how we grew up, we have this idea of who we think the Holy Spirit is and how we should interact with the Holy Spirit. But what I want to do is I want to go to God's Word. We're going to look, that's why we're looking at Acts. We're going to continue to look at the book of Acts when we look at Acts chapter 8. And we're going to see what God's Word says about the person of the Holy Spirit, how we engage and interact with Him, and how He wants to work in our life. Because whether you just got saved, like one of those kids at middle school camp last week, yesterday, a month ago, or you've been serving the Lord for 50 plus years. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit still wants to work in your life. The Holy Spirit still has a subsequent work of sanctification he wants to do in you. He's always, he, it is a relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit. And so we have to begin to let down our guard a little bit on some of the preconceived ideas that we have that really we use to insulate ourselves and begin to embrace what the Holy Spirit may be wanting to do, what he's wanting to speak to us, and how he's wanting to work in and through us. Because what we look at and when we focus on that, we begin to recognize it's not just about the Holy Spirit coming in us. What does it look like when he's upon us? This overflowing, the aspect of what it looks like for him to to come upon us and overflow in us. Before we get to Acts chapter 8, I want to give you an understanding and just kind of a brief summary. Acts 1 through 7, before we get to 8. Acts 1, what happens? We just read it earlier. Jesus is saying, listen, before he goes and ascends to the Father, he says, I want you to wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit, because when you do, you're going to receive power. And you're going to receive this power in a significant way. Acts 2, it happens. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls on the people. Then what begins to happen? Thousands are saved. They begin to preach. Thousands are saved. They're added day by day by day. Can I tell you something? We're not staying in this building. We're not staying the size that we are. We're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to reach. Why? Because we're believing for the work of the Holy Spirit. Because when I read my Bible, when I look at the early church, You want to know what's happening? The Holy Spirit is moving in. They are saved, thousands, hundreds, day by day, people coming to know Jesus. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, because of the way we grow up in the heritage, we think that the work of the Holy Spirit is simply just this experiential aspect. That's part of it. We think it's just worship or a feeling. That's part of it. Maybe you grew up in a heritage its all about justification. Give your life to the Lord. He comes in. You need to be saved. That's part of it. Then there's a sanctification work of the. Whole, you see, it's the entirety of the person of the Holy Spirit working in our life. You see, that's what begins. And I love when you read about the early church. It says that they were filled, right? That they, 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 they continued to preach, they continued to gather, they continued. They even it says that they ate together and that they had gladness and sincerity of heart. I love that. You see, because when you are Filled with the Holy Spirit. When he comes in you and he comes upon you, you're not weird. You're not judgmental. You're not religious. But for some of us, that's been our experience with people who say they're filled with the Holy Spirit. What I love what it says there, we all love, how many of you know sincere people? I like sincere people. you just around, they got a good spirit, they're just sincere, glad, okay, not religious They're not judgmental, they're not harsh, they're not condemning. That is not, so what is Acts saying? It's saying the work of the Holy Spirit is when you're around someone that is sincere and glad of heart. And so you have this work. Now, here's what happens. They begin to grow, and they're growing, and they're growing, and they're growing. So guess what they need? They need structure. They need teams. Can I tell you something? They had the first serve team. They they had served, they're growing so fast. They said, hey, we got all these widows. We need to tend to them. So they have one young man, his name's Philip. There's another named Stephen, who eventually was martyred. They said, hey, we want you, here's your part on the serve team. You're not part of setup. You're not part of greeting. You're not doing the cafe. You're not doing coffee. You're not an usher. We need you to go, and we need you to wait tables for all these widows. Okay, on it. So they go, and they're serving, and they're working, and he's serving. And then... What begins to happen is Philip then goes to a place called Samaria, and he preaches. And I want you to watch what happens when the Holy Spirit begins to work in Acts 8, beginning in verse 9. It says, Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. In a culture where God's power is not present, God's power isn't welcome. Can I tell you something? People will run to something else that is a substitute for the power of God. Why? Because they're looking for the power of God. We have that in our culture today. We're run, you see so many people running to so many other things that seemingly are saying, here's where the power's at. Here's the power to, to get fit. Here's the power to get healthy. Here's the power to get wealthy. Here's the power to grow in your leadership. Here's the po- All of these things. Get the power. Okay? But everyone, there's nothing wrong with making improvements in life, but just recognize the true power is found in the wonder-working power of Jesus Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit in our daily, everyday life. But when you don't have it, and when it's not evident, you're going to look for something else. You're going to find something else. You're going to try and find something else that's going to satisfy it. But watch what happens. I love this. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed, verse 12, the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So they give their life to the Lord. They're baptized. Simon himself, the sorcerer, believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. Parents, just on a side note, Here's what begins to happen. I say it often. We we get dialed up, for those of you that are parents, especially teenagers, you get so dialed up on protecting your kids from everything. Don't don't try and protect them from everything. Prepare them for anything. You see, you should be able to teach them the discipline to know how to keep themselves from putting themselves in a situation that's going to expose them to something wrong, unhealthy, and harmful. But can I give you a better strategy? Show them where there's greater power. Teach them how to have a relationship with Jesus. Because at the end of the day, they're going to leave your home. And if you're the bumpers to keep them out of trouble, when they leave your home and those bumpers are gone, can I tell you something? First thing they're going to find? Trouble. But when you teach them how to have a relationship with Jesus and there's greater power in that, that's what happens right here then what begins to happen is they begin to grow and develop that in their own life. And the greatest thing you can do is help your kids have a life-giving, personal relationship with Jesus. But can I tell you something, Mom and Dad? It starts with you modeling it. You don't got to be perfect. You don't have to have it all figured out. Just keep taking steps, and they'll follow your lead. Because I promise you, they're watching. They're watching. Picking up verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, They sent Peter and John to Samaria, and when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. You see, this is the most definitive work that's happening. They give their life to the Lord. They're baptized in the name of Jesus, but they haven't been filled yet. The Holy Spirit hadn't come upon them, so they prayed for them. And when you look at the work of the disciples, starting actually when you go all the way back to John chapter 20, verse 22, you have this framework. There's a pattern that the disciples model for us. John 20, 22, it says that Jesus breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. I mean, you probably have people that breathed on you before, and you're like, here's an Altoid, Okay. <laughs> Now, I don't know, when Jesus breathes on you, something powerful is going to happen. And that was essentially the moment in which the disciples received the Holy Spirit. And then what begins to happen? You begin to look all through the book of Acts in the early church. They received power, Acts 1.8. Acts 4, 31, what happens is the Holy Spirit, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and what happens, they begin to speak with boldness. There's a boldness that comes upon them to be who God's called them to be. There is a, a purpose in the power that they're receiving. Acts ten forty four. Cornelius prays and asks for Peter to come, and what happens, the Holy Spirit falls on Peter and Cornelius. It's the same word, that, that word falls upon, comes upon. Epipipto in the Greek, is the same word there in Acts 10 as we just read in Acts 8. It means to come upon. It means to overflow. It means to fall upon. There is a pattern. There's a pattern that is working that we see. And when you look at that pattern, I'm reminded of three Greek words that really helped me. When I gave my life to the Lord at 19 years old and I started learning and growing, who is this person of the Holy Spirit? What, 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 what is, what, who is he to me? How do I receive this helper, this advantage, this comforter? There's three Greek words that really become the framework that have helped me and helped so many understand what the relationship and their interaction with the person of the Holy Spirit is. First is this, the word with, which is in the Greek para, which is God's presence is with you. Now, again, this breaks down a little bit because obviously the Holy Spirit is more than a vase of water. But for example's sake, this is the Holy Spirit. He's always with us. When you were furthest from where you've ever, when you were in the worst place you've ever been, when you were just a mess, When if you were like me at 19 years old, a rolling dumpster fire, you took it to the next level. You weren't just a dumpster fire. You were moving along. You were just catching stuff on fire as you went, okay? I was a rolling dumpster fire at 19 years old. But yet the Holy Spirit was with me. But when I gave my life to the Lord at 19, just like those 55 middle schoolers that gave their life to Jesus this past week, just like when I was eight years old and my dad gave his life to Jesus, something happens. Then the Holy Spirit comes in you. The Greek word there is in. And this is what happens when we give our life to Jesus and we are born again. He begins to fill us up. He fills us up. And we begin to receive this courage, this boldness. This We have now access to this power, which then leads us to the third Greek word, which is epi, which means upon. And this is what I want to focus on. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he fills us up to overflowing. He fills us up with power for a purpose. It begins to spill out on those around us. And I can remember, when you look at this, you see this overflowing. That's Acts 8, which we just read. That's Acts 10. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. He wants to fill you up. He wants to give you a power for a purpose. To be the parent you need to be, to be the spouse you need to be, to be the business owner you need to be, to be the leader he's called you to be, to be the young person and the influence in your school that he's called you to be. We need the filling of the Holy Spirit. See, as I learned this as I was 19, I'm growing, it reminded me of when my oldest was born. It was just after she was born. I had a friend of mine who said, hey, you want to run the New Orleans Marathon with me? And for whatever reason, I said, yeah, why not? Now, mind you, I had never run more than six miles at this point. Ran track in high school, played football in high school. Wasn't really a long-distance runner kind of guy. But I just had a child... Couldn't get to the gym, you know, for those two-and-a-half-hour bro sessions. You know? So I was like, i got to do something. So I was like, all right, well, I'll go run a couple of miles from the house. So I trained, and I did it, and guess what? I finished the New Orleans Marathon. Okay, thank you. That, was, that was terrible. <laughs> that was so bad. That was so bad. It was bad. I, I, I put that picture right there on purpose because at mile 16, it got real bad there. You see, because there was something that I learned. There was a few things I learned along the way. First was this. Was one, I can remember people that had run races before me telling me, run your race. Run your race. So I trained for a certain pace. Well, you get in there, and I trained by myself, and all of a sudden, you start running with 15,000 other people. Can I tell you something? You get amped up. And then you see, like, old ladies in, like, tutus, and you see grand, like, I mean, I'm in New Orleans, mind you. You saw all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, there's, like, you know, and they're running, and they're just running fast. I'm like, well, I ain't going to let that person beat me. I have a little competitive spirit in me. So I just start running, and I run a lot faster than I should have. And so when I hit mile 16, I hit what they call the wall. And let me tell you something. I didn't just hit the wall. I think the wall hit me. Okay, And I'm just like, I go from running to walking, and, but I made it. I got my medal. I finished. I got done. But I learned. Can I tell you something? Listen to the wisdom of those who've gone before you. I learned it's not how you start the race, it's how you finish. But here's the third thing that I learned. I learned about hydration stations. I didn't have that when I was training. You know, when you're running, maybe you've seen something like this. You've got these, you know, little stations where you grab some water, right? And can I tell you something? Have you ever tried to, like, drink water out of a cup while you're running? You're like, it's like all over you. You're bouncing up and down, you know, a little competitive edge in me. I'm like, well, I don't want to stop or slow down because the tutu lady's going to pass me up. So I just want to keep running, you know. But can I tell you something? I needed to hydrate. You're running 26 Plus, Miles, you need a little hydration. As I thought about this, this is so much of what it's like when it comes to the filling of the Holy Spirit. Ongoing. You see, imagine if you were running a race, I can imagine and imagine if I'm going, well, I don't want to stop. I, I'm here to win the race. I'm here to run and go, but I never stopped to hydrate. Can I tell you what would happen? I would not finish the race. You want to know why? Because I need to be hydrated. It'd be only a matter of time before I start cramping up, doesn't matter how much goo I have in my you know my little packets, doesn't matter how much bottles I got around my little waistband, I'm going to run out of it and I'm going to need hydration, okay? So I'm thinking, well, I'm running the race, but I, I don't got time to stop. You think, well, I don't want to stop for the, the Holy Spirit. I, I got things I need to do. I, the things I've done and, and my Christian walk is just good enough. I'm moving forward. I'm running the race like Paul told me to run. So I'm just going to keep moving along. But you need the ongoing filling. It's great, though, if you stop one time. But if you just hit the first hydration station and you don't keep getting hydrated along the way, it's only a matter of time before you're, you go from running to walking to crawling to then you're out of the race. Why? Because we need the filling of the Holy Spirit. But in the other way, it would be ridiculous if at the first station you come to, you get it and you're like, water. And you just camp out there. Imagine, that's what happens when people sometimes experience the Holy Spirit. They come up to the table, Holy Spirit, you know, and they're, drinking, they're like, you know, double cupping it. And then you see them, they're just sitting there, just like pouring water all over themselves. And they're just sitting there, and it's like, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit just dousing themselves in the Holy Spirit. And that's great. Can I tell you something? Why does he fill you up? To keep running the race. There's a greater purpose. So neither of those are beneficial. There's sometimes where people go, you're one in. Oh, it's Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Holy ah. Well, that doesn't get you to the finish line. You think, well, no, 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 I'm doing good. I mean, I'm running, I feel good, i stretched, I trained. I don't need hydration, I'm going to go. No, 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 you ain't going to finish the race, because guess what you need? You need the filling of the Holy Spirit. So how do we do that? What does that look like? I'm going to give you three very simple. I'm talking like basic, basic, literally in probably the next four minutes. Get ready for simple things that we can do cuz i want to make it very plain it's not complicated for simple things to do and what it looks like to be filled with the holy spirit cuz we all need it what does that look like how does the holy spirit fill us up first is this we have to believe you got to believe you got to believe that he wants to work and move in your life there is when you when you look at psychologists And sociologists, when they study a cognitive bias, there's one particular one called cognitive entrenchment, which essentially means you are entrenched in your own thought process of how you have always seen and done things. And you need to be broken out of this cognitive bias of entrenchment. And if you will believe that the Holy Spirit wants to work and move in your life, you recognize that sanctification is ahead of you. It's not where you're camped out at now. Paul said, Ephesians 5, 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word filled is a present imperative. What does that mean? You're going to learn a little English today, and by no means am I an English major, okay? If you've seen any of my social media posts, I always misspell words and have bad grammar. Thank you for a team that says, take that down. You spelled it wrong. Two has two O's, not one, okay? I digress. Side note, Okay. But what present imperative, what does that mean? It's this regular, ongoing filling. It's also in the passive voice, which means this. You can't do it on your own. It's God who will fill you up. You participate by being willing and available and ready, but the Holy Spirit fills you up to overflowing. He does that through the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, you have to believe that it's real, and you have to believe it's for you. I was reminded of this breaking of belief when I saw this story of a tightrope walker by the name of Charles Blondin. In 1859, summer of 1859, he's walking a tightrope across Niagara Falls. He asked people, hey, do you think I can make it? And They said, yeah, yeah, you can do it. Go for it. They're not on the rope. They're like, yeah, go get it. Then he said, okay, do you think I could do it with a wheelbarrow? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, go for it. Do it, you can do it, you can do it. They said, do you think So he does it. So now he's already done it twice, there and back. Then he's there and back with the wheelbarrow. And he said, do you think I can make it across with someone in the wheelbarrow? They're like, well, I mean, you've done it twice already. Absolutely, we think you could. Okay, who wants to get in the wheelbarrow with me? Not me. They didn't believe he could do it. So it's amazing how all of a sudden you see it in one context, but in that moment when it's time for you to get in the wheelbarrow, you're going, well, I don't know, I don't know. All you have to do is believe if you'll believe. And then second is this. You ask, ask, ask the Holy Spirit to work and move in your life. Simply invite him. And in. I was reminded of this this week as Camden, my oldest, got back from camp. And we we're talking about what was God doing and what was he speaking to you? And I asked her beforehand, I said, can I share this? You know, because I always hedge a little bit on, on, on sharing, you know, my kids' experiences. I want to make sure they're good with it first. And, and she said, yeah. And, and she talked to me about how there was one moment where there was a difficult thing she had experienced. And I said, you know, well, what did you see and what did you experience? What did God say in that moment? And she said, I realized that I really needed to give that to the Holy Spirit. And I needed him to strengthen me in that. I'm going, that's the target right there. Because guess what? The Holy Spirit did in that one moment what I couldn't do in the last 10 years of her life. No matter how much I love her, no matter how much I care for her, the Holy Spirit can work and move. But what did it take as a 10-year-old little girl just going, I ask. Holy Spirit, come in. I give this to you. Strengthen me. Encourage me. All you have to do is in the moment, in the middle of what you're in, you simply go, Holy Spirit, I ask you to come in and work and move in my life. I'm telling you, it's not rocket science. I told you, it's very simple. Believe, ask. Here's the last one. You can probably even guess it. Receive. Receive. You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to work so hard for it. Just receive the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. He wants to empower you and give you power for a purpose. When I think of that purpose, when you look at the study of the Holy Spirit, the the word is pneumatology. That's the study of the Holy Spirit. That word pneuma, meaning air, gas, gas. Water, in fact, the Holy Spirit oftentimes is equated to air, water, oil. I started thinking about the difference between steam. Wendy loves hot tea, so she's into kettles, and you got a kettle on the stove, and now she's, like, getting into this electric kettle thing. Apparently, that's a thing. Like, you should use electric kettles now. I don't don't know. But here's the thing about a a kettle. All it does is simply whistle to let you know the water is hot. There's no forward movement. There's no progress. It's just simply noise. But contrast that with the steam in a locomotive. In fact, steam power was the first power that man used in a significant way in the Industrial Revolution. What was that? It's heating up all of this steam, but it was for a purpose that moved a large locomotive and a whole payload down the road. Can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit wants to fill us up that you're like a train because that train with that power not only can it pull a payload it can make it up a mountain it can make it down a mountain it can make it through any situation you're walking through. The challenges in your health the challenges in your life the things you're believing for the place you're wanting to go the things you're wanting to do there is power for a purpose that God has for you through the working of the Holy Spirit. You just have to believe, ask, and receive.